but we're cheap, too cheap for therapy, with Marianne and Corinne. Hey, Corrine. Oh, good morning. Hi, good morning. Yeah, you look nice. Oh, thanks. I like your leggings. Thanks. You look nice, too. I like yeah, your boots. Thanks. I got my boots on. Hey, hey. listeners. Hey, guys. Hey, y'all. How's it going? Oh, how is it going? Uh, yeah. Don't just say fine. Tell us honestly. You know, not super. No? My, my father passed away. I know. I'm sorry. That's yeah. awful. He passed away Friday night. But, you know, he had a good long life. And he was in his mid-80s. He was around his family who loved him. And he passed peacefully. So that's the best you can ask for, you know? You could, you could do worse. Correct. There could have been crocodiles involved. You know, it was really strange because when Adam passed away, it was so sudden and unexpected. You're just in shock. But we, my family and I, we knew that this was coming with my dad. He was not well. He had dementia. He stopped eating and drinking water toward the end. So we knew it was coming. But I didn't expect to be so angry when he died. I did not know that would be a thing. So angry. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks, ma'am. Oh. Yeah. So, it's quite apropos that we're doing this topic. And thank you for letting me do this topic, Corrine. Oh, you can always do any topic you oh, want. Oh, okay. You want to talk about butts? Yeah, let's do talk about butts. Butts, 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 butts. <laughs> but, butts, this week we're going to be talking about mortality. Yes, indeed. Yep. Mortality is balls. Garbage. Mortality is butts. garbage balls. Mortality is butts. Butts, yeah. <laughs> but not the kind you love. Yeah. The kind you hate. The stinky butts. Yeah, the gross butts. Ooh. Mortality is gross butts. Ew. <laughs> That's the worst kind of mortality butts. Yeah, it sure is. The um, gross mortality kind. being the fear of death. Yeah. Not to be confused with morbidity. Which is how many people die from any given oh. thing. Hmm. Like crocodiles. I didn't know that mortality was the fear of death. I didn't... It's like it's your not own... not a phobia. No, it's just your own death and your awareness of your yeah. own death. Yeah. Yes. Which, when people die, brings to the forefront. For yes, us. that's true. So... And it's interesting because that's, you know, aside from other things, that's one of the key points that makes us different from other animals in right. the animal kingdom. We are aware of our of ourselves. You know, we can look in the mirror and, and say, hey, that's me. That's not another cat. That's me. I'm not going to attack not it. just like, let's fight. Yeah. <laughs> and then also we will die. Like elephants, they see another elephant in their in their group die and they mourn the death but do they know that it's going to be their turn pretty soon i don't know i kind of feel like mourning is i don't know if there's any research to back it up but my feeling is mourning is sort of like not only being sad that someone's gone but yeah acknowledging that we're all headed in that direction true and then you have yourself a little little teeny existential crisis yeah i feel like whenever someone passes away you cry for the loss of that person but there's also just a smidgen of you crying for yourself in your own life. Like, 
it, it does bring it to the forefront that, oh, no, if they can die, I can die. Well, the whole thing is you crying for yourself because you're crying because you're sad that they're gone. True. You don't have them anymore. Right. I don't know anyone who cries for people, for the actual person who passed away, unless they're rabidly Christian and are convinced this well, person's gone to hell. Oh, well, I mean, I, you know, when Adam passed away, I cried for... Yeah, for me, losing him, and he's not going to be here anymore with me, but I also cried because he's not around to continue to do what he had planned and hoped and dreamed for. Right, which makes sense for a traumatic death, but for an expected death. And especially someone who's elderly, you know, you just want them to go peacefully, and toward the end, my dad really wasn't himself anymore. His personality had changed, he became more aggressive, and... Oh, by the way, this is too cheap for therapy. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm hey. I'm Marianne. And I'm Kareen. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast and jumping right in. Also known as Butts and Death. <laughs> butts and Death? That's oh, no. some people call it. <laughs> yeah. I'll say, do you listen to Too Cheap for Therapy? And they'll say, oh, you mean Butts and Death? That's it. Yeah. That's the new name. And I say, yes, ma'am, that is what I mean. Too Cheap for Butts and Death. <laughs> No, I will pay for them. I will pay for them. Oh, okay. Not too cheap. Yeah. You think about death, Kareem? Constantly. (laughs) Um, No, it's been interesting lately because you know how it seems like death happens in, in like, groups? Like, all of a sudden, there'll be several people who die. And so it always, as soon as I hear about one person, I'm like, oh, fuck, who's going next? (laughs) Like, I'm always scared. So Well, um, then that's just the coronavirus, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's sure. And the Coca Cola virus and the. No, I spend a lot of time in mainland China. (laughs) The Bud Light virus? Bud Light virus, yeah. Yeah. Um, I said, Mike, did you hear about coronavirus? And he said, Yeah, that's when uh, you're hungover after you drink, right? And I'm like, Mm. That's cute, but Corona tastes like piss and people are actually dying. Oh. So that's two not fun things. Yeah. Um, Stop making jokes, Michael. That's our job. Who taught you that it's appropriate to joke (laughs) about anything is what I want to know. That's right. Where'd you learn that from? I'm going to have words with that definitely man. It it had to have been a man. God. Wasn't a lady. Of course not. No, and then there was Kobe Bryant who recently passed away, which was really shocking like holy shit for me i i don't know anything about basketball i know him as a person because when i was younger and that he was really popular my generation would go kobe and like shoot a piece of watered up paper in the trash can my kids still do that oh boy laundry kobe kobe (laughs) kobe I'm like, you're I mean, not even making it. You're clearly not like Kobe. I mean, I get it. It's sad, especially for everyone who was on that helicopter um, when it crashed. But I feel so bad for Kobe's wife. Oh, my God. Because she, she lost, lost her husband too. and her her daughter. Oh, I can't imagine. And she has three other kids. Yeah. So. And she has, like, a baby, right? I think like one of she, them is very young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was only 41, I think. He was not, like, I mean, his kids were not grown. His children were small. Yeah. They still are small. But, you know, when someone passes away, people, especially when they're famous, people are so quick to kind of make them a saint. Like, oh, what a great person they were. Wasn't he accused of raping someone back in the day? I think that he issued an apology indicating that he was acknowledging some wrongdoing. Um, So, I mean, yeah, that's true because we do always, you know. Yeah, I get it. You don't want to tarnish a person's reputation after they've passed away because they can't defend themselves. Right. But he already apologized for raping somebody. Well, and there's two, you know, there's two sides to every person. There's no saints. Yeah. 
Patron yes. saints did some bullshit. Right. You yes. Know? So it is important not to sort of glorify them too right. much. But he did do a lot of great things, too. So right. I mean, it is important to yeah. acknowledge. I, I just tried to keep that in mind when Adam passed away and now when my dad has passed away. You know, try to keep in mind that they were people. They were just humans. And, you know, they were all fallible. I'm fallible. Everybody is. No right. one's perfect. So along... I, hmm? Oh, you are? No. <laughs> yes. Along with the good stories, you're, you should tell the bad stories, too. Like, I remember when he did this thing, and it made me really mad. You yeah. know, just to humanize them. I kind of have that with my childhood. Like, I was driving through my hometown mm-hmm. yesterday with uh, Calvin. He, we were To the uh, orthodontist. Okay. Because they're in a different office every day of the week. Oh. So they were like, oh, he broke his... Broke the arm of his herpes appliance, which, if you're a parent... What who is has, that? If oh. you're a parent who has children who have had braces, you know that that is the very, very expensive... The herpes appliance. Weird, like, torture device thing that gets glued onto their teeth and oh. has crazy arms What's on the side. What's it called? Herpes appliance. Herpes? Got it. Yeah. It's called herpy arms. <laughs> um, yeah, so he went roller skating last week and managed to fall and break one of the arms. He fell on his teeth? Well, he said he kind of did a whiplash thing, and it busted the... Whiplash onto what? Onto, I assume, the floor? Jesus. Um, I don't know. He he seemed fine. Was he in the he, roller derby? Yeah, yeah, he sure <laughs> is. Uh, so... That's what middle school is. It's oh. just a, it's just one big roller derby. Oh, yeah, okay. To the death. Oh, uh, so he fell and broke that. So I took him to the office that just happens to be located in my hometown, and we were driving through. And I was telling him this is where I went to high school, and this is where Dad and I used to hang out, yeah. and this is you know, blah de blah de blah. A bunch of friends who lived in here. Mm-hmm. And I said it was awful. <laughs> it was butts. And then I said. But it wasn't all awful, mm. you know, because yeah. there's some good stuff, too. So you kind of got to... I didn't want him to think, like, my mom's childhood was garbage. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was garbage, but there was sometimes there was good garbage. Yeah. Sometimes it was, like, dumpster diving. And yeah. You like, find, like, lots of good sandwiches. Yeah. Or, like, you dumpster dive in front of a really high-class restaurant. Yeah. Or, like, you go to Ulta and get a bunch of, like, really nice makeup. Oh, that's the great kind of garbage. I don't dumpster dive, but if I did, I would dumpster dive. I used time. to in my heyday when I was real poor. Mm-hmm. I worked at a an apartment complex and my co-workers and I during our break whenever like um, a tenant would move out or we had a lot of military tenants as well so they would have to move quickly right. and they would just discard a lot of their stuff because they have more. we didn't so we'd like eagle eye scout them out oh, they're moving they're throwing away their stuff and then we'd immediately go to the dumpster and the find, like... The night before you just rob them blind? <laughs> no! Oh. <laughs> we'd get, like, nice shoes and clothers and good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At my mom's apartment complex, nobody even put any good stuff in the dumpster. They would leave it in front of the dumpster oh. because they knew, like, within two hours it was going to be yes, gone. Yes, girl. And I'm not going to lie, we've uh, wheeled some exercise equipment home from oh, down the yes. street, you know, that was put out with a free sign on it. It's I all good. I ain't too ashamed to take none from the garbage. No. I love garbage. In fact, bring me your garbage. You know what? That's a nice memory that I have about my dad. Garbage. Oh, that's <laughs> we, nice. We were all pretty poor, and um, I remember my dad and I, he would take me to the local, like the county dump, mm-hmm. to find things. like yeah, And to feed the bears. Sure. We would 
you know, take our regular garbage and get rid of it. But then we'd like look over the mounds and see. Oh, that's a pretty decent sofa. Let's load that in the truck and bring it home. And my dad was really handy, so he would fix it up and he would chase the baby raccoons out <laughs> yes. of it and reupholster it. Yes, nice. So it's not hollow for the baby raccoons. So here's a PSA for the folks living in Washington State. Yes. I can't vouch for any other states, but here, if you pull anything out of the transfer station garbage, you get in big shit and get a huge fine. Oh, really? Absolutely. Even if you drop something in there that you did not mean like to your drop in wallet. There. Yeah, like, they're like you go. Why? Because, you are, because the liability for them to have anybody messing in that giant pile of garbage. Because it, it's not just a giant pile of garbage like you see on in the movies, like oh, a junkyard or yeah. whatever. It's like a giant pit. Yeah. And there's bulldozers in the oh, pit moving garbage. And yeah, so you can't be messing in there. I guess it's probably worse now since China's not taking our garbage, huh? Oh, I think it's probably a lot worse. Hey. And I think it's going to get worse there. At one, yeah, probably. At one point, Brian was like... Why are we even recycling? China's not taking our stuff. They're not sorting it. I think they're just putting it all in the trash in the dump. Well, because it makes us feel better, that's yeah. why. Ain't that the truth? Look at all my clean glass. Right in the trash! <laughs> Straight in the ocean! Burn it! Yeah. Burn it in the ocean! Burn the glass underwater! Burn the ocean! <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Oh, here's a... Da-da-da-da! Yeah? Sad tidbit. Okay. Um, I just read that in some places the ocean is getting so acidified <gasps> that crab shells are dissolving. <gasps> what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. So that's not good. Welcome to the apocalypse. This is it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to start no. eating faces in a minute. Oh, you might have to. That's where you're going to have to get your clean water from yeah. faces. Right. Face eating. Just like cats get all their fluids from eating meat. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get mine. You're going to have faces. to do that. Yeah. I guess so. Because what's going to happen when all of our um, water is poisoned? Uh. Like the water we get. As a city, you know the from thing lakes is, and it's ponds. not even so much about that because we can purify that. Like we have osmosis and stuff. We can, I mean, purify. Is That's a, what Flint said. It's a quote unquote. But we can make it non-poisonous. Yeah, for the short term. The problem is when all the algae in the ocean dies because that. We oh. think of trees as being the oxygen producers. Yeah, algae's the number one. Algae's yeah. the number one. So if all the algae dies, we're fucked. We're fucked and I'm eating your face. We ain't got no oxygen. Or faces. Do you get oxygen from eating faces? I'm going to try. <laughs> I mean, it's worth it. <laughs> I'm breathing on your face. Oh, my God. Oh, no. That's That's, that's just called kissing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm going to kiss all of you. Come here. Put your face real close to mine. <laughs> she will kiss your face. I'm going to steal your oxygen. <laughs> Taking your oxygen. Oh my god, what's yeah. wrong with us? Uh, so much is wrong with us and the world. Anyway. Yeah. Back to death. I feel like that was about death. Sure. We just talked about everything. The today. apocalypse, yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> it's coming. It it's here. Y'all. Too cheap for therapy should never be considered a substitute for actual medication or therapy from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed during the show belong to the hosts only. We don't know what we're talking about. We just like to fuck around. And we hope you like to listen. So yeah, we kind of covered the basics of mortality. It's your fear of your own death. Um, I think the main reasons that anybody has this fear of death is 
obviously you fear what you'll lose and what other people will lose. Mm-hmm. Um, that you might leave unfinished business, mm-hmm. which is a big one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, worry over what's going to happen to everybody when you're gone. Like your loved ones. Right. Yeah. Like you, if you're a contributor to the household, Aww. you worry about what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, also, fear of the unknown because... Yeah, don't is, nobody know where we're going. Is the great googly moogly going to come get me, or am I just going to be in a box? This one I think is really interesting, though, because, I mean, I like to believe mm-hmm. that the great googly moogly is going to come get me. Yeah. You know, give me a high five. We're going to do, like, a handshake <laughs> that we made up last time. Yeah. And be like, yeah, I'm back. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask all the questions like, oh, shit, you know, what really happened with yeah. JonBenet? And what really happened like with... Like in the egg. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm going to ask all those questions, and he's going to answer. We're going to have coffee. It's going to be great. And coffee? then I'm going to, you know, get sucked into some tiny baby fetus and do yeah. it all over again. Um, but what I really think, like, logically is going to happen is probably... Nothing. Yeah. Well, I I take comfort in that ladder. Uh, I kind of do, too. Yeah. Like... And people think, well, nothingness, I can't even conceive of that, and it's scary. No, it's not scary, because you're just not there to be scared. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'll be so lonely, or eternity's forever. Yeah, but you won't experience it, because your consciousness will be gone. But that's such a weird, abstract concept. It's yeah. difficult it to wrap It scares people, around. but it gives me peace, because I, I told you already, and I think I mentioned it in a previous show, that one time I was inebriated and Brian came in and he apparently he was trying to shake me awake and I just would not awake he thought I was dead mm-hmm. and then finally I like well, huh? what's going on he's like oh my god you wouldn't wake up and that was the best sleep I've ever had yeah. I didn't dream anything did you I, wake up and you were sad that you woke up yes yeah he's, that's the same as when you're put under yeah, and they're actually, I just read an article, and I hope Isn't that to, the closest thing to being dead? Well, I mean, as far as anybody knows. Yeah. We don't really know, but that's... I know! <laughs> oh, all right. Um, you're dead right now, you ghost! <laughs> I'm dead! Yeah, so I read an article that was um, sort of... Not disproving, but kind of giving some logical reasons of a scientific nature of why mortality is not something to be afraid of. Right. And, and, you know, tips and tricks to, like, not have a panic attack when you think about dying. Tips and tricks? Um, Yes. Okay. Let's hear it. Yeah. One, eat somebody's face. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Get your oxygen. Uh, No. Um, So one was, you know, the fact that there may well be nothingness is, is not something to fear if you reframe the way you think about it. Right. If you think about going under anesthesia, you're completely unaware. You have, there is no consciousness. Right. There's no, you know, it's I not, didn't dream it, when I was right. under anesthesia, nothing. Me either. It's yeah. just, it's nice. When I got my wisdom teeth taken out, I woke up afterward and I didn't know how long the procedure took. It right. could have taken eight hours. It didn't. But I, I had no understanding of how long I was out. It just felt like a minute was gone, and then I was awake again. And yeah. I was upset that I was awake. Like, oh, I'm, that's really restful sleep. Just let me sleep. I know. That's what I thought after my gallbladder surgery. I thought, why can't we do this every night? Right. And then I thought, we can, but then we'll be Michael Jackson. And we yeah. all know how that turned out. And if death is kind of like nothingness and just peaceful sleep with my consciousness not being there, not dreaming, nothing, nothingness, then I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm good with it, too. I, I would prefer not to have a... Um, an agonizing, painful death. That'd be nice. There was some stuff in the article about that, too, though. What? Tell me. Well, they were saying that, generally speaking, if you suffer a traumatic death, you have 
adrenaline shooting through you, right? So, oh, so you feel less pain? You don't typically feel pain until mm. the adrenaline wears off. Yeah. And if it's that traumatic, then the adrenaline probably does not have time to wear off right. before you, you know, yeah. are gone. So... I don't know why death for me is a farty noise, but it yeah, is. Yeah, it shouldn't I'm, be. I'm but is that the death noise? Do it is. Because yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know something a little more sparkle, sparkle. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, like Patrick Swayze. Ah. Uh. Yeah. There is a lot of research done into near-death experiences and mm-hmm. reviving people and. I don't think, generally speaking, there's much mention of pain. Oh, yeah. And also, anyone who's been through anything horrendously painful, like if you've been in a car accident, broken bones or anything like that, like extreme The adrenaline, yeah, the adrenaline's very helpful. Well, and after the fact, you never remember anyway. I mean, you can say, oh my God, that hurt, but I can't re-experience that actual pain. You kind of attach the feeling or your emotional state to the event. I can only remember, like, I've been in a car accident, and I can only remember how I felt. I felt scared, but I can't remember exactly what happened. Right. You know? There are experiences I've had where I know I was in intense pain, Mm -hmm. like when I was in labor with my son, but clearly I don't remember the actual intensity of it because I went on to have another kid, and I never would have done that if I could remember. Yeah, your brain does that, which is beautiful, because if... Thanks, brain. Thank you, brain. Ups to my brain. Because if your brain did not do that... Every time, ladies, every time you had an excruciating cramp or... Every time you had an baby. (laughs) If you had an baby. Oh, I just mean monthly, like Mm. your cycle. I remember my cramps were so bad that... I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be around anymore. I just was okay, let's I'm done and then once it's gone, I forgot how bad it was, so I'm ready to do it the next month. Yeah. And I'm always shocked it, like What is what's happening to me? It's happened every fucking month for the past thirty some years. I know, right? I'm thirty seven and I'm still so What? Why am I so what? mad? I'm so hungry right now and I don't know why. What? Also I hate everything. Why do my lady parts hurt? What's happening? Yeah. Oh, like I have to, I think that's what your brain does. It tricks you. Yeah. So you'll have more children. So you will forget about the pain during childbirth. So you'll forget about menstruating and then you'll allow it to happen again. Well, in childbirth, I probably shouldn't even group with those things because childbirth, you get a prize at the end. I mean, it's not like a baby. Yeah. And baby. Here's your <laughs> prize. And baby. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's its pain, but it's toward an end. Yeah. It's not just never-ending, rel- unrelenting, horrifying pain. Ends justify the means. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> On good days. <laughs> <laughs> and then that day when you're like, my kid hasn't slept for a week. Yeah, back in the basement. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, you just put them back in that crib with a lid. <laughs> and they just, oh, like they did in the 30s. <laughs> they hung them. Out the window. Yeah, they hung them out of that. Baby Crage in the window. And baby kennel. (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany calls it a crage, a cage kennel. That's adorable. The crage. Baby crage. And when her dog Max was still alive, like when he was kennel training, she would say, Max, do you want to be put in a crage? And he'd like go, and then like, no. And then he'd straighten up and fly right. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I do with the kids. That's fine. Do you want to go into crage? You want to go under the stairs? And they say, no, ma'am. Oh, they don't call me ma'am. <laughs> but anyway. they do live under the stairs. Maybe they do. <laughs> don't call anyone. They're fine. 
they're fine under the stairs. It's they're fine. under the stairs. They got faces. They it's got fine. everything they need. It's good. Yeah. Um, speaking of children, mm-hmm. I think that your childhood experiences with death definitely shape your thoughts on mortality, even yeah. you know without you realizing it, obviously, um, because most kids experience death of a grandparent, mm-hmm. at least, if nothing else, death of pets or oh, you know, yeah. something that you feel connected to. Hopefully not anything more than that. Yeah, but. you know, that's a really good point. And I'm thinking back on it. My parents really sheltered me from death. When I was born, I only had two grandmothers who were still alive, and but they were in their 80s. So I was alive for both of them to pass away, but my parents did not allow me to attend their funeral or their service or anything like that. So I'd never been to a funeral until Adam passed away. So I guess that shaped how I saw death. Because even with pets, they tried to hide the pet's death from me. Like, oh, they ran away. Really? Did they? All of my pets ran away. On a farm now with both your grandmothers. My goldfish ran away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your goldfish packed it up and said, fuck this shit. Packed its little suitcase and left. I'm moving to the country. So I think maybe being sheltered had something to do with, I don't know, maybe it just gave me more time to mull over the idea of death. Maybe. It maybe was, every time someone left, you were like, ah, they died! <laughs> maybe. It was kind of an always an abstract concept. Like, yeah, I understand people don't live forever, the end. But I'd, I'd never seen anyone who, you know, a body or whatever. And a lot of that is cultural, too, yeah. because we've gotten so far removed from True. the concept of death and from experience. Like, I mean, there are a lot of cultures still, not American culture, no. but like Japanese culture, especially some Asian cultures, where the family gives the final bath, yeah. the family sees, you know, people are more and more... They'll dress the body. Right. Yeah. People are more and more moving toward that now, even mm. in American culture, Good. doing more natural uh, stuff. I mean, during like the Civil War times, people did, but it was because, we didn't know if you were really dead or yeah. not. Like, Let's, we're just gonna prop you up in the window and see yeah. if you move. And put a bell on your finger yeah, and exactly. see what happens. And give us a ring-a-ding-ding-dingle <laughs> if, you, if you're okay. A ring-ding-dingle? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you heard that ring-a-ding-a-dingle, they'll come up with your face. <laughs> That's right. Oh, no! Well, I mean, seeing a body is very helpful for closure. Um, my friend Nancy, she's mentioned that when her mother was alive, she's passed since, but her mother had... Um, I believe four siblings. Nancy's mother outlived all of the siblings. Three of them, you know, passed away from illnesses or just complications from something or other. And there was a service and she, the mother saw the body, had closure. The last sibling died in some freak accident, fell into a frozen lake. They couldn't retrieve her body. So they had a service, but there was no body to view. Mm. So the mother never had full closure. So she never felt like, yeah, she's passed away. She just felt like, oh, maybe she's out there somewhere. She's not. Well, it's just like all the parents of all the missing children and everything. It would be horrible, horrible to find out your child had died. But it would be more horrible to think maybe they're out there somewhere. Or, I don't know, maybe it would be comforting to think they're out there. I I don't don't know. know. It kind of is comforting. You know, if any of our listeners have experienced that type where you're not 100% sure if your loved one or friend or family member is has passed away or if they're out there somewhere you know let us know is it more comforting to think of the person out in France hanging out eating baguettes or is it more comforting to want closure and know that they've passed away 
Yeah, that's definitely an interesting question because there there are a lot of people who I mean a lot of people go missing, not yeah. just children but adults, and you don't know if somebody just fucked off to a new life yeah. and you know grew a mustache and went to Mexico, right? Or if something happened to them. So I I think personally I would want the closure. Well, I guess it would depend on the situation. If my dog Luna was pissed at me and she was just like, oh, fuck this, I'm packing, I'm packing up, up and leaving. leaving. And she left and I was like, oh, well, maybe, you How know. How dare you shave my whole leg for just an ACL surgery? <laughs> she looks like she's got a raw turkey leg. She looks redone. It looks like a rabbit leg. Yeah, it's really great. It's funny. A giant rabbit. I don't know. Maybe. No, that's a bad example, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's something relatable because people do lose pets and then even yeah. sometimes years later get them back. Yeah. But what if you've moved on and. Made a new life with a new pet. Oh, gosh. What if I've married a new dog? <laughs> yeah. What if it's like Castaway, but with Luna and her raw turkey dog? Oh, no. Wilson! <laughs> oh, Luna Duna, you're my uh, Wilson. I don't know. I think it would depend on the situation. Like, if a family member and I didn't get along, so for that reason they left, I would hope that they were happy wherever they were in their new life. But if the family member and I were good and then they just were missing. Like, I would need closure. I would need to see some sort of body or write me a letter or something. Yeah. Well, visit me from beyond the grave! Yes. I'd be fine, too. Yeah. Don't don't come back looking all nasty, though. Please don't. Zombified? Yeah, I don't want to yeah, see that. I'm good. Just because I ate your face doesn't mean <laughs> I want to see you with no pain. What? I am sorry. How are you going to cause them to not have a face and then be mad at them for not having a face? I need a closure. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. No, oh, man. Oh, but yeah, definitely um, with kids, my children experienced losing their grandfather. has been the only close death that mm-hmm. they've experienced. There have been deaths that have happened that we've talked about. Yeah. But that's been the only one where, like, they had a lot of contact with this person and then they saw an illness happen right. relatively quickly and then they were gone. Um, he was cremated, so there wasn't uh, viewing or anything like oh. that um, for them to attend. And I wasn't sure how I... F- mm, Jules was really small. Yeah. He was like three or four, maybe four. So that would have been kind of a rough one. Yeah. Um, so I was sort of glad, but we did go to the memorial mm-hmm. and hear people tell stories and people were sad and people were happy. You know, it's memorials are a strange thing. Yeah. You get kind of a big mix of both. Right. So I thought that was a good experience. And there are actually, here's what I do, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a total cheater and anytime anything happens and I don't know what to do, I'm like, hey, Siri, how do I tell my kids their grandpa died? Because oh. I don't know how yeah. to do it. I mean, you don't, you don't get like a book or anything, but you can get a book on Amazon. And that's what I always end up doing. Oh, okay. So um, I did get my kids a children's book. There are a lot of really good ones on mm-hmm. grief and how to process like someone passing away. Yeah. Um, they get very specific too. Like you can get ones for like grandma and grandpa or you can get ones for like someone closer mm. or like a sibling or like anything. But um, this one that I happen to get for my kids is called The Invisible String. Okay. I like it because it's not overtly religious. Mm-hmm. It makes like one minor mention of heaven but that's it. Um, it focuses on how we're all connected, they say, by an invisible string. Oh, kind of like the Japanese red string concept. Right. Oh. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's just that we're connected to our loved ones. I think that's exactly yeah. the same, yeah. And that if you love somebody and you, you know, want them to know that if you're connected by that string, they'll know. And it doesn't mm. matter if they're at the bottom of the ocean or in space or in that's heaven nice. or wherever. And I thought that that was a really nice um, way to kind of say they're not here anymore, but that doesn't right. mean we forget about them. And Yeah, yeah that's nice. Yeah, I, I clearly I don't have kids, but I would assume that you would want to 
pick and choose what details to tell the kids depending on their age. Because not too long ago, you and I were in your kitchen and I was talking about Adam in front of Julian. And I, he said something like, who's Adam? And I was like, oh, you know, do you remember that I was married before? And he's like, no. And I, I just blanket like a blanket statement like, oh, I was married before and he's since passed away. That's all. I don't want to go into detail because that's terrifying for a child. Right. And I struggled with that when we first told them because at the time, you guys had come over several yeah. times. Baby they knew, sad. They, they knew Adam. Yeah. Together. Julian's just only 10. So he yeah, now. So he doesn't yeah. remember now. But back then, I remember he right. knew, like, he would get really excited when Adam would come over. And I've talked to my nieces and nephews. And it's interesting what kids remember and what they don't Mm -hmm. and what age they were when it happened and how old they are now. And like I asked my um, oldest nephew, Kiowa, who's 19, do you remember your uncle? He's like, yes, of course I do. Because he's 19. I was a teenager. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. And his younger siblings, I'm like, do you remember? And they're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. Uncle Adam, we remember. I mean, if they come to me when they're older and ask, like, what did happen? You know, I'll tell them depending on their age. Yeah, I did not tell the kids at the time exactly what had happened because I was afraid that they were we're going to be terrified yeah. yeah and think that it's not safe to go out it's yeah not it's too it live. transfers and that's scary that oh if that can happen to him that could happen to mom and dad mm-hmm. so you don't want to put that in the kids minds. exactly i definitely didn't want them thinking that so yeah. we talked about how you know adam passed away and it's very sad and yeah. it was not ex- basically we just said it was unexpected yeah because i didn't want them to think that he'd been sick right. and that we'd been you know not Telling, telling them, them yeah. what was going on. so Because that's one thing when your grandparents pass away and they're 90 and, and you know, it's expected. Organs just sort of shut down. They well, stop. Yeah, that's, I Everything's mean, getting older, so yeah, you get, get it. As many beats as you get. Yeah. And when they're done, they're done. That's true. Hey guys, it's Kanice, author of the Willow Song series, featuring my debut novel, The Call from the Willow, now available on Amazon. And coming summer of 2020, the second installment of the Willow Song series, The Calling of Kings. And you're listening to Too Cheap for Therapy. Hi, my name's Jeff Richardson. I'm a fan of this program you're listening to, and I'm also a podcaster myself. I do several, but one that I really think you might enjoy, it's called Everything is Awesome. It's me and a friend cover of Neon Genesis Evangelion. I also do really cool interviews with other artists and podcasters, stand-up comedians. Come on over, check it out. Everything is awesome. Find us on Facebook and uh, on Twitter, at EIA Podcast. Live your life to the fullest! Yes, please. <laughs> Go swim in the ocean and fly in the sky and uh, whatever you want to do. You might want to do stuff. I want to do stuff, people. Yeah, that's why You might only get this one chance. Yeah. But I read um, some interesting research about how the size of the actual heart will affect how long it's able to go and the um, oh. the rate at which it beats. Interesting. So, like, mice tend to live for about a year. Mm. That's about all they get. They're little and their hearts. And are tiny, and they beat 
very quickly. Mm. But then as you start getting bigger, like a rat will live for two to three years, even mm-hmm. up to four, maybe five years, and then bigger animals tend to go on for longer. Is and that longer. why elephants can live to like 90? I don't know if it's why, but it might be contributing. It'll help. Um, the exception being horrible, evil little dogs like Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> he'll outlive all of he'll us. He'll outlive all of us. It'll be him and the cockroaches <laughs> at the apocalypse, and he'll be like really angry oh, about man. the fact that there's no laps to lay That's in. Funny. Not sad, ma'am. Angry. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure. He'll be biting with his one tooth. You know what? Good old Chompy. <laughs> chompy. You know what? People always say, you only live once, but really, you live every day. Live it to the fullest cream. Yeah, rob a bank. No. Rob a bank. Because you only die once. Live it like it's a week before your last day, okay? Don't go mm. insane. Let's not, like, you know. No. That's pushing it, because people might drain their life savings. Live it like it's a month before your last day. Live it some money in savings, but also (laughs) go to Hawaii. Live it like you got 30 years left, you know? I don't know. That kind of makes me want to sleep on a couch some more. 30 (laughs) years sounds long. Never mind. It ain't. Um, Oh, I read another interesting article. I've been reading my ass off. Oh, okay. Reading my butt off. Butts, butts. Uh, Butts, butts. Sure. Damn butts. Um, So (laughs) I've been reading a lot and uh, mostly things online, mostly just the headlines. Don't ever ask me for details. Sure. Fight me. Okay. And they were uh, mentioning how, you know how when you're young and things seem to take forever, like summer lasts forever and then it takes forever for the next summer to come. Um, And then as you get older, the older you get, the quicker things seem to move. Yes, because you have more reference. But also, because of the actual math of it, the percentage Mm -hmm. of your life, when you're 10 Mm -hmm. and you go through one year, that's 10% of your life. That's a lot of your life. True. But when you're 100 and you go through one year, that's only 1% of your life. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it's interesting that, I mean, it does make sense. But it sort of blew my freaking Isn't mind. that kind of just your reference of time? Yeah, it is. But to think about it in that regard is interesting. Because you mm. really, if you do the math, which I'm not doing, but if you do it and figure out, like, right now what percentage is a year to yeah. me, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like, my husband and I are always going, it's Christmas again? Jesus Christ, it was just Christmas. <laughs> what the hell? Get all the shit back out. And I'm like, it's still out. I just... I, I never put, put it away. I just put hearts on the tree for Valentine's Day. And then we I just put, smash some more pumpkins yeah, for I Halloween. money on there for President's Day. And uh, there's still Stager pumpkin at my house. I know. <laughs> oh, confession. Oh, man. Yeah, um... It's horrifying, and I don't know what to do about it, so Just, I'm ignoring it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll put a little sheet over it. <laughs> put little traffic cones oh, up. Oh, yeah. My, I'm going to have to get some mid-sized ones. <laughs> Mine are way too tiny. Oh, uh, yeah. But that goes oh, along man. with my whole philosophy that I love things that are extremely tiny or extremely oversized. Mm-hmm. No midway no. for me. Nope. <laughs> Not doing it. It's either got to be flats or 12-inch stilettos. That's right. No mid-range. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or one-inch foot. Fuck oh it. Oh, my God. Limping into 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Oh, we have the white room question. Oh, what's that? So it's a fun psychological test. Oh, I love to see if I'm crazy, so which I am. Close your eyes. Okay. One of them. Keep squinting. <laughs> That's a wink. Um, okay. <laughs> close them entirely. Okay. And picture a white room, completely white, nothing in it, just a white room, like if you were a crazy person. Got it. Put you in a white room. Been there, done it. Oh, great. All right. (laughs) So go back to that place. Okay. Have a freak out. Sure. And then think of the first emotions that come to mind when you look at that empty room. Peace. Okay. Okay. Anything else? 
Loneliness. Okay, anything else? Food. <laughs> I don't believe you on the food. I think that just came up because you just ate a donut, uh, which I provided for you because I'm a terrible enabler. She's the donut dealer. I am a deal. Um, the first one's free. Um, let's see. Peace, loneliness, boredom. What am I supposed to be feeling? That's all, I mean, that's all legitimate stuff. It's, it, there can't ever be a supposed to feel. Tell me the right You're answer. You're, fe- bum, bum, bum. Your feelings are wrong. What's the right answer? The right answer is that the white room, because we're speaking about mortality, represents death. Mm. And the feelings that come to mind when you picture the white room are your feelings about death. So you have a Peace. feeling that it will be peaceful. Loneliness. It will be lonely and that it will be boring. <laughs> And the great googly movie says, fuck you, I put a lot of work into that. Well, I mean, if death is what I think it will be, which is nothingness, it won't be boring because it won't be me as Marianne experiencing it. Right. It'll just be nothingness. But when you're talking about emotion, there is mm. no emotion to express that. So maybe the closest thing to express that in your consciousness is boring. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to go float in purgatory with all the little unbaptized babies. What do you... Oh, okay. I'm going to hold them. Okay. Sniff their little heads. Oh, okay. Do they have smells in heaven? In mine, they do. (laughs) Sure. All the good ones. Only good smells. Some of the bad ones. No toots. Well, you won't know what good ones... You won't know how good the good ones are if there's no bad ones. No fats. (laughs) All right. Well, there's like cotton candy factory next to the paper mill. Like, you got to have balance. No. Yeah. What feelings do you feel in the white room, Kareen? I don't know. What? I did the weird experiment. You do it. Hungry. <laughs> See? <laughs> Hunger. See? It's always food. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. Probably the same. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to do it because I already know what it's supposed to mean. So I'm like... Peacefulness. <laughs> foreverness. Love. No. Just, just nothing. And I'm okay with nothing. Yeah. So that's fine. I would prefer nothing. Because if I were to go to heaven and it's eternity and like smiling and happy and hanging out with everyone, I, I'm i not that social. Unless the great googly moogly gave me a new personality in heaven, I don't think I could cut it. I I'd just be like, please let me go to my room in heaven and just watch TV. Well, heaven is supposed to be your heaven, right? So yeah. So your heaven would probably be... Spending a lot of time doing things you want to do by yourself. Oh, thank God. And then spending time with people when you feel like it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll see you in a hundred years. Okay, great. <laughs> My heaven is waiting outside your door. Are you ready yet? I brought you McDonald's it's from been, the heaven McDonald's. In 43 years, you coming out or... <laughs> You're waiting in front of my heaven house like I a stalker. Will. Stand on your oh weird God. little stoop cloud with a weird heaven boombox. Hey, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> in a raincoat. It's, it's not raining in heaven. It's no. never raining in heaven. I'd be crying. Hey, maybe in my heaven it rains. I love rain. Okay. Mostly, I like to listen to it, though. All right. Not so much get pelted with it yeah. while you lock me out of your heaven house. That's right. Shit. You are not welcome here. So what do you think about how religion affects your view of your own mortality? Oh, it shapes it completely. Yeah. Depending on what you think is the afterlife, that will shape how you behave while you're alive. It will... Whether you're a super dickweed. Right. Hopefully. Or if you go by traditional uh, (laughs) Christian values, how much of your dickweedness you show the public... And Although I know a lot of great Christians, but boy, yeah. the ones that get publicized, like the famous ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, honey. And it will shape your basis of reward. 
Like I'm doing all of this, all of these good deeds so that I can get into heaven because I know it's a thing. And I think that a lot of it is, it's difficult to say without being offensive as most of what I say is. Um, I'm always dancing around it. But I want to say, like, normalizing a quote-unquote fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like to all have this, have a group of people that all have the same vision yeah. makes it feel that much more real and that much more comforting. The fact that, like, my religion believes it's going to look like this and yeah. mine believes it's going to look like this does give you that, like, sort of, okay, well, we can't all be wrong. We can all be wrong. Yeah, you probably are. But that's okay. But I hope you're not. If it makes you, you know, if it makes you feel good and you're comforted by it, then yeah. great. You know, I can, um, what's that called when you hold two contradictory ideas in your mind? Being an asshole? No. <laughs> Cognitive dissidence? Cognitive dissidence. Or being an asshole. No. I have Let's that. It. I have that in regards to um, Adam's passing. He was very religious and he believed in heaven. But I do not. So in my cognitive dissonance, I think, well, because he believed in heaven, I hope that it is real for him. And when I pass away, I hope that it is not real for me so I can just sleep in a grave and be quiet. There was a um, Black Mirror episode that was sort of like that, San Junipero. Oh, yeah, where you're uploaded into heaven. Yeah, and some people chose absolutely upload me and other people said no because I don't believe in it and I don't think, you know, like like the whole storyline was that the one woman didn't want to go and her girlfriend was like, why wouldn't you want to come be with me forever? And she's like, because we lost... A child. A child, and I don't believe that she's there, therefore I want to be wherever she is, even if that means nothingness. Right. It was really interesting. It was um, prior to season six when Black Mirror went to shit, because I did not care for any of season six. Really? It was garbage. Oh, God. Just didn't have the same zing. Yeah. It wasn't poppy. Well, with San Junipero, I think I liked the concept of being uploaded into this quote-unquote heaven that they've manipulated and made into a computer server. I like the option of being uploaded, like your consciousness being uploaded into this heaven computerized world, but then you can always opt out. Like, oh, I've been in this crazy afterlife for 50 years. I'm tired. I just want to have nothingness. So then they can withdraw your consciousness and you're finally dead. Yeah. I love that. I love that, too. There was another really good show that we watched recently about... um, dealing with the afterlife and people's thoughts on death and it was uh it had fred armiston and maya rudolph mm-hmm. did you ever see oh that no one? i love them called? oh it's very good Have you written a book and always wanted to publish it? Don't know where to start or who to contact? No problem, friend. You should contact Square Penny Publishing. My friend Kenise Marshall published her book with Square Penny, and you should too. They'll help you publish, print, and digitize your book, so it'll get into the hands of your readers. Search Square Penny Publishing on the internets and like them on Facebook today or tomorrow or whenever you get around to it. This is Kareen and Marianne, and we want to take a moment to tell you how much we appreciate your contribution on Patreon. It's with your support that we can give you our classic banter, our dick talk, our pseudo advice, and other hilarious anecdotes. So if you'd like to help support our podcast and get exclusive content, go to patreon.com slash too cheap for therapy and give us a dollar or two.
So there's a series, uh, I believe it's only one season, and sadly I believe that both Maya Rudolph and Fred Armiston have said that they will not be making any more seasons Aww. of it. They wanted it to be a one-season thing, but it's called Forever. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise is this couple that always do the same things. They always go to the same places. They, you know, they're pretty set in their ways. They've okay. been together a long time. She decides, let's, like, let's do something neat and fun and new. And Spontaneous. Go, yeah, let's go take a ski lesson. Ooh. And he dies. Aw. On the ski lesson. Oh, no. Falls down the hill and dies. Um, and so he's gone. She decides she's going to remake her life because she, you know, has this opportunity to do something new. Sure. Even, you know, to kind of get herself out of her grief. She gets on a plane to Hawaii, chokes oh. on a macadamia nut and dies. What? So they both go to the afterlife and it's okay. the whole story of what happens in the afterlife and it's it's really interesting. Oh, maybe I should watch the that. The most interesting part about it is they don't really know what's going on. It's they, sort they of don't like, know they're in heaven? They, well, they know they're in the afterlife, but mm-hmm. they don't know why anything is the way it is. Like, no one came and said, here's your booklet on how to be a dead person, oh. like your handbook for the recently deceased. There was none of that. It was, it's just like, figure it out, It's people. sort of like you walk into Ikea and you're with all the people who are also in Ikea. It's like you walk into just walking Ikea, into the maze. There's, there's no map. There's no yeah, arrows. You just kind of, yeah, you just kind of like, like, oh, I'm in bedding like, again. I feel like I'm here for something, but I'm not exactly sure what. Ugh. It's actually a really, the really sofas again. Yeah, it's a good show. Okay. So I recommend it highly. What's it I called again? It forever. I'll watch it. All right, do it. What's it on? Um, I think we watched it on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix. Okay. But the odds are pretty good. I All think right. you can watch it on YouTube. I think you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Okay. Fuck Amazon. But if you have Amazon Prime. Fuck it. Fuck it and, and watch forever. <laughs> and then cancel oh, it. Oh, and then cancel it. Fuck you, Joe Bezos! So watch it first. Uh, oh, let's talk about how to take charge of your mortality. So what are some things that we can do hmm. to maybe have a more comfortable relationship with our mortality? Because uh, here's a fucking newsflash. You're still going to die. True. Me too. Hopefully you're prepared for it and not frightened to death at every moment because I was like that for a time. I think it was after my car accident in college. Number one, it freaked me out to be in a car, regardless of if I was driving or someone else was driving. Then I would get panic attacks like, (gasps) I'm going to die. Something's going to happen because I'm in a car. And then it transferred to being outside of the car like, ah, a tree could fall on me at any moment. Ah, it's raining. Lightning could strike me. Like I was just terrified of death. But I now think that's I'm post-traumatic stress. Probably. Yeah. But now I'm cool with it. Okay. I'm like, fuck it, tree, go ahead. Yeah, Do pretty much. I'm just like, <laughs> I have no control. As soon as I let go of that sense of like, I can control everything. If I just don't go anywhere, I'm fine. I could choke on a macadamia nut. It's true. I I could fall off a ladder. If I ever get on a ladder. Don't go up a ladder. You know, anything could happen, and I have no control over it whatsoever. Just like I can't control other people yet. I can't have any Not today. Not yet. I can't control anything that adversely affects me. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we don't control anything except our own actions. Right. And our own responses to other people's actions. So... You fuck no matter what. True. You might as well not get so worked up about it. Right. Yeah, that's kind of like the whole apathyist um, theory that I live by. Mm-hmm. That we're all going down the drain. You know. It's, Why's it got to be a drain? Why can't it be like we're all going back to the earth and we're gonna help flowers grow? Why can't it be something like a right, nice let me, symbol? Let me free, rephrase that. 
we're all getting sucked down to Universe's toilet. <laughs> So oh, that's so much better. <laughs> Thank you. I like the imagery. Oh, my God. Um, let me paint your word picture. Oh, my God. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> and you're going down, and the, you're universe going down the universe And you're going down the universe's Great. Uh, yeah. So, might as well just do the best you can to make this experience the most positive you can, right? Yeah, right. So, some of the things you can do to take charge of your mortality is start thinking about the practical side of it, like... What do you want done with your organs if you end up being, you know, in a comatose state that you're not going to recover from? I would like to donate them, please. All right. So what I want you to do is check that box when you renew your license that Mm -hmm. says organ donor and tell your fucking family. Because here's a PSA. If your family says, no, I don't believe that they can get zombified by Jesus and come back out of their grave right. if they're not all put together, they will absolutely override your decision right. and go with the family. Because guess what? The family can sue and you cannot. Right. Because you did. Right. So, can you, what if you put it in your will? Can your family still ignore your wishes? The will doesn't usually come into play until they're dead already. Oh. If you have a living will or a power of attorney, yeah. it might be different. But look into this shit before you're in oh, a coma, good people. Point. Yeah. Please. Because I am of the mind that if I'm not using it, please take it. Like, give it to someone yeah. else. That would make me so happy to like have my organs donated to you know someone who actually needs them. Me too. That always makes me so sad when I see those videos of um, like a family member who's lost someone and then they decided to donate that family member's organs and then the person who received the organs comes to meet like the mother and then they listen to his heart or and I think that's know, so sweet that's because so sweet. It, it means that your life really meant something concrete right. I mean everyone's life means something but that's like a physical I can yeah. touch it and see how it helps what somebody. are you leaving in the world as your legacy right. like you can build a company you can do good deeds for you know people in need you can do- donate your organs and then that's something that continues on with that person you that's can beautiful. send millions to work camps yeah, what you can Wait, close what? the borders to your country and ha- force everyone to join the military what's happening I'm just saying it could go either way legacy is legacy uh, all right it's not a good Supreme one. Supreme Leader Corinne? Yeah. Exactly. What the fuck? No, it's not my goal. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying fall in line. Uh, yeah. So that's something you can do. Um, you mentioned wills. That's important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a final directive or a, and or a DNR, do yeah. not resuscitate if that's your wish. Um, make it specific. I mean, don't, you know. Yeah. You know what? You really have to sign a DNR. You can't just write it into your will or write it on a piece of paper and with your signature. It has to be the legal document. Yeah, there's real paperwork yes. surrounding that. Even if you tattoo DNR on your chest and the EMTs come to resuscitate you, even if they see that tattoo, they're like, this isn't a legal thing yeah. that we can stand by. We have to resuscitate you. Right. What if it just bananas. means donuts, nut butters, and raspberries? What if you're just? What if it's your grocery list? They don't know. Raspberries. But it is definitely nice to have a DNR, especially if you're elderly or you have, you know, some kind of chronic illness that yeah. you know you don't want to. Because I don't know if you all know anything about resuscitation. Oh, they but, crack some ribs. Oh, I mean, it is like unless they're they and here's the thing: they don't want to do it. No. They don't want to put you through. They don't want to yeah. do that to your grandma. That's really painful. If you're technically dead because of some, like a heart attack and you're 90 and then they resuscitate you, they've cracked your ribs. It's going to take you a longer time to heal. I'm not trying to deter anyone from 
you know, not having. No, if they're, they they absolutely are all for it. Yeah, if that's fine. We'll do it, but it's going to be a good outcome. Yeah, it's going to be more difficult. But if the heal. outcome is she might live a couple more days, mm-hmm. that's and in pain. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, when people are resuscitated, oftentimes they have to be resuscitated more than once. But because there's no time for those injuries to heal, mm-hmm. it's just agonizing. Oh, I mean, can you imagine if you had a broken sternum oh. and then someone came and started hammering on your broken sternum? Like, it's so hard to breathe. And no, thank you. My point of going into detail like that is not to make people feel bad about wanting to be resuscitated. I yeah. mean, I also want to live. I do as well. But, but if I'm 90, no thank you. Yeah, you just have to, and, and you kind of have to take that logical step back when someone that you love is in that position mm-hmm. and think, you know, really honestly, like, is this worth it? Yeah. Because it Sometimes we get a little selfish and we want them to stay and it's not a good thing. That's what happens when people have a family member who's pretty much brain dead and they're like, oh, we'll just keep them on life support and use all the taxpayers money or uh, their life savings. It's fine. We'll just keep them alive for years. There was why we could use those organs for someone who needs them. They've passed away. Their brain is not active. They're dead. And if their brain is active, they're trapped. I mean, yeah. have you ever, like, been stuck in a position where you have an itch and you can't scratch it? Yeah. It will make you insane. Can you imagine living your quote-unquote life And like what that? if you're a vegetable and you have brain activity and you can't have, you have no motor function at all and you have a relative who keeps visiting and you hate that relative? You yeah. can't tell them to get the fuck out of here. You can't do anything. Get out of my room. And you smell you bad. You just rapidly blink. <sighs> yeah, there's a lot of really interesting information out there about, like, locked-in syndrome mm. about um, and about the testing that they do nowadays. I mean, when the doctors tell you that someone's brain is not functioning yeah. and is not going to function... They know what they're talking about. If they about. tell you that they've done an MRI and the brain has calcified... Mm. It's not. I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know, and I'm not Jeebus, and I don't know everything. But I'm saying if they said that to me, I would have to think yeah, logically about it because it just, I mean, we all get what we get, and that's yeah. all we get. I usually think, okay, if I were in this situation, if I were in this person's shoes, what would I want my final wishes to be? And I've told people in my family, like, if I'm a vegetable, if I'm brain dead, Give it, like, two days just to make sure it's not a miracle that I'm awake and then pull the plug. I'm good. If I'm already brain dead, it's fine. Right. And I feel like if there's any if there's any suspicion from anyone who knows, you know, about the medical side of things yeah. that you could recover, that there's probably no harm in letting someone continue on for a while. But, I mean, sometimes there's it just is so apparent right. that this and is I not mean, going anywhere good. Someone else could be using that hospital room and that bed and the equipment and you know it just seems like a waste yeah and I mean waste it for a while waste it until you you know but don't just indefinitely and not for your own gain like not not like it's a gain but oh well I need them around to be with me even in this vegetable state that's not helping anyone right yeah it's I don't get it there was a case in California um, of a little girl who went in for a surgery and things went horribly wrong. Mm. There's a lot of speculation whose fault it was that things went wrong. Was it anybody's fault? But essentially she ended up brain dead. Mm. Terrible, terrible. Oh my God. And her parents said, keep her alive at all costs. They, I guess they felt like, you know, their religion meant that they had to keep her alive or that, you know, God will take her if he wants Mm. her, keep her heart beating, keep her breathing. Um, And they ended up 
actually fighting the state about it. The oh, state really? was saying, you know, you can't continue to have this person in the hospital using resources right. when they're clearly not ever going to recover. They moved to New Jersey, oh. which is the only Oh, I state, remember that case. Yeah, that still allows you to keep Ugh, someone on life support indefinitely. Right. Because I think it has something to do with religion, like with... Mm. Um, with is it with Orthodox Judaism? Maybe. I don't remember, but it had something to do with religion. I don't understand yeah. that when they say, oh, if God wants to take them, God will. But he all, did. Yeah, all of this machinery is pumping her blood into her body, helping her breathe. If you turn off the machinery, God will take your child. Right. I don't understand what their point is. I also do not understand what the point is. And I mean, I have children, and the idea of anything like that happening oh, is awful. heartbreaking. Yeah. But, but it seems more heartbreaking to me to keep them alive in that state. And I, I don't know if they're suffering since they can't talk or... Right. Blink rapidly. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, and at that point, you're the parent, and you have to do what every parent does in every situation and try to make the best choice you yeah. can for your child. And what that that's going to be is that, up to you. Yeah, that goes for parents as well. Right. Just yeah. think it over. You it, know? Was, it was really difficult for my mom to make the decision to, like, help him transition. I don't know where this terminology came from and why it's a popular thing to say about people passing away, but they... Every time my parent, my mom spoke with the nurse and my siblings spoke with the staff, you know, help him transition. I don't know why it's so polite, because death is not polite. But that's part of the culture, too, is that they try to make everything like, what would you like their final garments to be? They don't just want to be like, what clothes you want to put them in? You got a dead suit or not? (laughs) Because we got a sheet. Like, they don't, you know, I mean, they want to make it all... Hoity-toity. Nice and fluffy and, and They know you're in a bad space yeah, already. I get it. But I think sometimes it does get awfully flowery. Yeah, it seems very, a little bit too vague for my comfort. I'd rather just be matter-of-fact. He's, he's going to pass away. We'd like to make it as comfortable as possible. Instead of like, we want to help his transition. What does that mean? How are you helping him transition? Right. What are you giving him? Like, are you going to take him to the beach? And I just, don't like, <laughs> Let them. I have no idea. I don't know either, but um, whatever. I mean, whatever makes you comfortable. Yeah. You know, if that's what works for you, that's great because you're already going through a hard time. Yeah. Um, oh, here's another thing I think we can do to take charge of our mortality. What? Be open to new trends and ideas in the death industry. What do you mean? Well, you know, we've been talking this whole time about how culture is um, so intrusive and and how we've moved so far from being involved with death. People whisk the body away. Exactly. You call somebody and they're gone. Yeah, it was so strange because I I felt like when Adam passed away that they would want me to come down and ID his body at the, the morgue and... You know, at the funeral home, I'd be able to see him before the view. None of that. Mm-hmm. They just took him away. Even when the police were there, I couldn't go to the scene, clearly, because it's a crime scene. But I couldn't, I don't know. I'm sure they were, A, trying to protect the crime scene, and B, trying to prevent me from going into hysterics. Probably. But I did want to see my husband's body, right. you know? Before, right. three weeks later, when we had the viewing. Well, I think that's the unfortunate thing about it, having been a criminal yeah. cases that they had. They had to collect their evidence, and yeah. that totally does disrupt the grieving process. Right. Like, you're just left in limbo for all that yeah. time. I'm going to have to talk to my mom and see if she was... I know she was there with my dad when he passed away, so that, that was nice that she got to be with him, and a couple of my siblings were in the room as well. That is nice. nice. That would be my wish to... 
you know, live to a nice old age and die right. in my sleep and have my family around me. But there's a lot more, um, a lot more happening in the death industry involving like just letting people know. There's no law that says you have to call someone and have the body taken immediately. Oh. You can call and say this person has passed away. Hopefully it was expected. They mm-hmm. were elderly or they were very sick. sick. Um, and you can take time with the body. Mm. I mean, you can. there's instructions online or you can get from like a reputable death industry worker mm. that will tell you how to treat a body, what you need to do. There's even something called death doulas. Oh, yeah, I've um, heard of them. Yeah, people that you can hire to come and sort of walk you through the process and sort of, it's just like a birth doula. They, they're they trying to make it the experience yeah. that works for you. Just the end part of life. Exactly. Which is so, nice. Which is the whole concept of transitioning, like yeah. transitioning into the world, transitioning out of the world. And you, as the person who's left alive, the one who remains, helping you transition to a different part of your life without the person. Exactly. So, yeah, because there's a lot of changes happening, yeah. and we don't deal with this very often. No. So it helps to have somebody around who knows what they're doing. Right. That's how I felt the whole time I was pregnant and labor and delivery and everything. I felt like I had a very good group of midwives. Mm-hmm. I did not have a doula, but um, I had read everything there was to read and felt like I had a pretty good handle on it. Yeah. But still, after, it's like... Hospitals are a business. Mm-hmm. They do this every day, multiple times a and day. And they're bored with it. The nurses are like, hurry up, let's go. Yeah, and sometimes I just felt like saying, like... Can you, you know, give me a moment? You do this every day, but I might do this once or twice in my whole life. Yeah. So just give me a fucking second here. That was not the case for most of the people who assisted me, but there were a couple mm. shining examples of yeah. douchebaggery. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, I don't know. Not, like, holding that baby? <laughs> Fuck you! I want a new nurse, Janet! Take me to the woods! No. <laughs> to the woods! <laughs> to the pool! To the pond. There's people on YouTube giving birth in rivers and in stuff. In pond? Is that water okay for the baby? I don't know. There's probably a bear shitting right upstream. And you don't know? I mean, you don't. I'm just saying, you don't know. That's a good point. Did you hike the whole thing in labor? Uh, oh anyway. Um, so, yeah, be open to stuff. And whatever you decide, tell people. Yeah. You know, and we have to get over this whole, like, well, we don't talk about that. Well, we don't talk about death. Guess what? It's talking about you. Yeah. And it's coming for you. I, in passing, tell my siblings this. Like, usually it's a joke. Like, we'll see something on TV about someone passing away, and I go, oh, by the way, if that happens to me, pull the plug or whatever. Just so... If something does happen, they'll remember, oh, she did say it that one time. Well, and that's a fine way to do it, and it, it's good to bring up, you know, what do you want? Because it's less frightening to do it that way than having, like, a whole sit-down, let's go around the room and talk about what your final wishes are, which scares a lot of people, but sometimes you should. I think you should do it at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Everybody's together. We already talked about what we're thankful for. How do you want to proceed with your death? I'm thankful for knowing exactly what you all want done in the event of your demise. <laughs> also, I'm drunk. Great. Because it's Thanksgiving, and that's what we do on Thanksgiving. That's right. Yeah. So be open-minded. Find out what people want. Tell people what you want. Um, There's a workbook on Amazon. There's several, but Mm -hmm. there's one that I like, and it's uh, printed on the front in big letters. I'm dead. Now what? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's literally a workbook where you go through, you put all your pertinent information. Oh, that's great. Insurance policy information, because how many times do people say, oh my God, they're gone, and I don't know where anything is or what anything is. I don't know what we have and what we don't, because there are policies that happen through people's work, Mm -hmm. through the military, through past employers. Right. You don't know. And so. not just 
policy in, for insurances, but like your retirement accounts and your banking information. Right. Your computer uh, password. Right. I made a whole Wipe list. Wipe my browser. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of the browser history. Don't let mom see it. No. Um, when Adam passed away, all of that stuff really got to me. So I immediately started making a, a list of all my passwords. And if I, if my passwords change, I change it on this piece of paper, this document, just so if something happens to me, my siblings can get into my accounts without having to call like the bank and say, oh, she's passed away. Just look into my accounts and move money or... Well, you know, <laughs> offshore yeah. possible. Yes, man. Yeah. No, that's the thing is that you, if you worry about mortality, one of the concrete things you can do is something like pay for your funeral expenses. I write did. Write down exactly what you want and yeah. make sure all that information is together in one place because the only thing worse than mourning someone who's close to you is also fucking around with all yeah. the bureaucracy of trying to prove to everyone that yes, indeed, they are gone. Yeah. That made me really angry having to do that. Oh, God. You know, it's one thing to be like, okay, I got to call this one place and send a fax of the death certificate. But when you have to do that 25 times with 25 different businesses, it gets old, and, and then I just, get angry. You've just lost someone. You should be grieving yeah. right now, not fucking around with paperwork. Yeah. So <sighs> just, make, just make get it prepared. Yeah. yeah. Make it easier for your loved ones. Right? So. And I bet once you do, you'll feel a little skosh better about I do. your own mortality. Whenever I go on a trip... I think that's what scares me the most. Like, anything could happen when I'm out of the state. <laughs> like, I'm not going to die in my state. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> <Thank> you, Washington. <laughs> right. So whenever I go on a trip, I update my will. It's just on a Google Doc. But then I print it and I sign it. And, I, you know, I change the date and Fold update it up it. and tape it to your chest sure. near your heart. No, I put it in my safe and, you know. And I, I tell whoever's closest to me, like, hey, if something happens look in the safe. All of my important documents are there. My will's there. Follow it. I don't have the code to the safe. No, you don't. We gotta use your dead fingerprint. No! <laughs> Retina scan. No, you don't. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, whatever you think about mortality, uh, yeah. Yeah. Make some plans, you know? Take charge. Take yeah. control of what you can control. Yes. Because there's going to be a lot that no one can control. We just don't want you to be afraid of your own mortality, you know? I wish it wasn't such a negative thing for so many people. Like, oh my god, I'm going to die. I wish it was just the next transition, if you will. It's fine. If you believe in the afterlife, great. You're just going to transition over there. It's not going to be anything bad. If you don't, like myself, you're just going to transition into worm food. And that's perfectly fine with me. I'm good with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're insignificant, but... It's sort of nice to be insignificant, you know? Yeah. It means that all those little stupid mistakes I make aren't really actually a very big deal. Yeah. Like my anxiety disorder likes to make them feel. That's right. Just think about your death whenever you have a panic attack. It's cool. I'm dead anyway. <laughs> now what? <laughs> Read my book. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So we'll put some links and stuff to some of the things you can um, yeah. access to maybe make your mortality adventure, like California Adventure. But without like, rides. Choose your own adventure. Like, yeah. We'll make it a little more spicy for you. Maybe a little more exciting. Maybe a little more uh, attainable. Attainable. Yeah. All we'll, those positive words. We'll put all the good stuff in the show notes. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, you can uh, party it up with yeah. your death plans. Yeah, sure. Huh. If you have any questions or comments, you want to tell a story. If you're horribly offended. Okay. You know, send us an email or send a, a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. 
We'd love to hear what you think. We do like to hear from y'all. Yeah. We want to hear from our Patreons. Yes, we, we love. Do. And who's getting a Valentine's Day gift? Oh. Coming up. Yeah. Coming up. Very soon. Putting shit in the mail. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for mortality. Yeah, that's it. That's all there is to say about that's it. <laughs> done and fucking done. We solved it. Everybody feels great. Yeah, I'm glad, y'all. It's the least I could do. I feel fine about my own demise. <laughs> all right. Let's go drive this fucker off a cliff. Great. Oh, okay. God. Right. Thelma and Louisa. Yeah. All right. Shall we do a sign-off? I... I wish you would. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Mortality doesn't have to be scary. Especially if you think about butts and death. <laughs> okay. My two favorite things. <laughs> butts and death. Yeah. All right. Have a day, Have y'all. Have a day. We're so cheap, so cheap. Too cheap for therapy. We're cheap. We're cheap, cheap. We're so cheap, so cheap. Won't pay for therapy. I say we're cheap. We're cheap, cheap. We're so cheap, so cheap. We do our own damn therapy. We're cheap. We're cheap, cheap. We're so cheap, so cheap Come get your therapy for free OCD Anxiety But we're cheap Too cheap for therapy With Marianne and Corinne